You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hey, everybody. You are joining me for episode 203 of the Blended Family Podcast. And I have another co-host show for you today. I feel kind of bad. I've got a backlog of shows. And um, this person, we actually recorded back in January. I finally am going through my archive here. So uh, you are going to enjoy the conversation I have with her today, I'm sure. Just a couple of announcements first. And I am still taking on these co-host shows. So if you are interested in joining me on a show and hanging out with me for a little bit, you can set that up by just going to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule, and then go ahead and choose the mini session option on there. And then we will just set up a time to talk a little bit and chat, and then we'll go on from there. But a lot of people are really enjoying those shows because it gives you a good chance to kind of see who else is in the community and maybe connect with those people in our Facebook group. And once again, our Facebook group, blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. And if you can't write down any of these links that I'm giving you, they're always in the show notes. But anyway, I really like to have you guys come on and chat with me because Sometimes the information that you have can really help somebody else who's going through a similar experience because I have been through a lot and I am the host of the show, but I haven't been through everything. There's some stories that I hear that I haven't been through at all. So it's really nice that we can all have a place to connect and share and support one another. So I don't have a lot of announcements today. I did want to share with you a finance tip of the week. Um, I'm supposed to be doing those every week, but I really enjoy sharing some of these concepts with you guys because I love working with blended families, but my other passion is really helping people understand things about money because as working with blended families, I see a lot of people suffering. That's one of the major struggles that you all have is with finances, and it makes total sense. And so for me, as passionate as I am about helping blended families, I'm equally as passionate about helping educate people about money. And of course, when I can put those two together, I mean, that's just gold to me. So the tip of the week today is to get your kids to start saving money from a young age. And I will be honest, I told you guys, I missed the boat with a lot of things. And that's why I'm here today helping you guys some of the mistakes that I made, right? Well, we didn't know anything about money back then. And we definitely made a lot of mistakes and not just mistakes for ourselves, but we really dropped the ball on not educating our kids about money from a younger age. Yes, I still have time. Yes, we all always have time. It's never too late. But it's so much easier to get a child into the habit of saving money when they're very young as opposed to trying to tell a teenager who's never had to save a dime to try to save. And trust me, take it from me because this is what's going on in my house. Right? I have teenagers now and they aren't great about saving their money. As soon as they get the money, they spend it right away. And it's probably partially my fault, right? Because I never taught them from a young age to save their birthday money that they would get. You know, kids don't work when they're young, but they get birthday money, they get holiday money, 
right? Sometimes they get allowance. Um, Sometimes there's babysitting or as a parent, you need them to do something for you. So you give them a little bit of money. Well, it would be better if they could learn how to save half of the money that they get from a young age. This was something that my dad had me do when I was young. And I do understand it's a little bit more difficult to do in a divorced home because even if you're trying to encourage your child to save money and maybe your ex-partner isn't, that might make it a little bit difficult for you. But trust me, if you start from a young age, those things do sink in, right? Because I did it when I was a kid. I would save half of my paycheck and it didn't it didn't feel painful to me because I was just taught that that's what I had to do. If I wanted to work, then I was forced to do that. And it really did help me save some money then. But of course, my dad, that was great advice from him, but he really didn't know a lot of other things about finances. So even though he was telling me to save, he really didn't understand uh, how to tell me what to do with it and where to save it and all of these other things. And so lack of education, unfortunately, uh, wasn't helpful for me. But if you can get your kids into a habit from a young age, it'll be really helpful, especially when... They do become teenagers because what do they need as teenagers? They need a car. And it's crazy. Here in Florida, we get licensed at 16 years old. Now, where I'm from, in New York, it was 17. And also in New York, you were allowed to start working at 12 years old. So by the time you were 17, you had a lot of working years, hopefully, behind you where you were able to start saving your own money so that your parents, maybe they could help you, match it, I don't know. I paid for my own car myself, but here in Florida where I am, it's kind of impossible. They don't give these kids jobs until they're 16. You have to be very lucky around here if anybody hires you below 16, and yet you're getting a license at 16, and all these kids are like, hey, mom, dad, where's my car? Well, we have four teenagers. Our kids are now, we just had one turn 20, one's 18. Then the third one just turned 16, and the last one's going to be 16 in October, and hardly any of them really have a lot of working experience because they couldn't, and we didn't have them save from a young age. So they're looking at us, and we are expected to try to help them find cars. Of course, we're not expected to, right? We can just tell the kids, look, we can't help you out. You got to work for a few years and save. But then it's like they need rides everywhere and we have four of them and it makes it very difficult. So it's just really hard. But imagine if you had your kids start saving from a young age, their birthday money, their holiday money, things like this. And imagine when they're getting ready to get their car, they have a couple thousand dollars saved up or more. I don't know. It just depends on your family and what goes on. But Imagine the stress that that would take off of you as their parent, knowing they can actually afford to get themselves a vehicle to pay for their own insurance or anything else, right? Maybe they want a new guitar. Maybe they want to go on a trip. It doesn't matter. The point is, is it's nice if they have their own money there saved for some of those special things that they want. And it gets them into the habit of knowing that this is super important for them as they move on into being adults. So that is my financial tip of the week. If anybody wants to know more, I can definitely work with you. This is what we do. We educate 
people about money and concepts, and I offer free financial reviews, and it is free because it's that important to me that I get you guys the education that you need. I'm not going to try to sell you something. I just want you to understand how money works and how to make that money work for you so that you can achieve financial freedom and so can your kids and that your family just feels a lot more peaceful, right? Because financial stress is killing all of us. So I guess we'll move on to the co-host interview. I want to let you know that I did notice a little bit of feedback in the audio. I'm not really sure why there's a slight echo at times, not the whole time. I hope it's not too distracting, but this was a really good conversation and I don't want you to miss it. And I didn't realize it until after it was already recorded. So there wasn't much I could do. So without further ado, please enjoy this co-host show with my friend Carrie and I will talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Hi, everyone. I'm here with another co-hosting special with my friend Carrie Hartman from New Jersey with a beautiful blended family of six kids. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thanks, Melissa. I'm excited. Good. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your blended family, your husband, how you met, and about the kids? Sure. So my husband and I met actually at work. I am a pharmacist, and I walked into a new job. And he wasn't the one that hired me, but I you know, ran into him as he was coming in one day um, and kind of weren't on that page yet. I was newly divorced and he was still in the process, but pretty quickly, you know, started flirting a little bit, had our first date. Um, and really after like date number three, we were all in and kind of the rest is history. So he um, came to me with three daughters and I had one son, have one son, but at the time my son was only four months old, six months old when we met. Um, and then together we've had two more kids. So all in, we have six and now we are seven years later. So we have a 20 year old, a 17 year old an 11, and then eight, six and four. And don't forget the dog that we decided to add into. <laughs> What kind of dog did you get? We got a German short hair pointer. Oh, was sleeping behind me at the moment. She's lots of fun, but very high energy. Really? See, I have the absolute opposite of high energy. We have English bulldogs, which are about as lazy as you can get. And I can't have him sleeping next to me because he snores so loud that he would just, I mean, you'd hear it right through the microphone and everything. It's, it's really distracting. So I feel so bad, but I have to kick him out of the room every time I have to work. Aww. Yeah. So, um, so wow, that's lots of kids, lots of girls. So tell me how, how do all the kids get along? Pretty well. Most of the time it kind of has, you know, ebbed and flowed over the years. I would say initially I was really pleasantly surprised that everything went as smoothly as it did. Um, you know, coming into a family, I'd been a mom for only, you know, a year at that point when we all started actually blending um, and the girls were older and I was really nervous about going into a family with three daughters that could potentially, you know, hate the stepmom. Um, my son was pretty easy cause he was a baby. So kind of that just worked really well. And then when we had our daughter first, it kind of really helped in that transition, I think. And then we added our son and kind of completed the family. So it's all worked out you know, honestly, really well. The, the kids all seem to get along most of the time. 
we always have, you know, the challenges of different ages and the levels of maturity and all the normal sibling things. But I think all in all, they get along pretty well. That's good. And I think I've spoken to a lot of people about this, and I know you and I spoke about it, that it seems like when you have a blended family where, you know, you don't have children together and then you decide to have kids together, I always feel like it brings the blended family closer because it gives you a common interest. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Like having just the common ground or a common focus where who can't love the baby, right? So I definitely think that that helped in our situation. So what's it like raising kids that are in such a vast age difference, right? Because you've got, you've got a 20-year-old who's basically self-sufficient, and then you've got a four-year-old and then everything in between. What is that like? Do you, do you find that easy because the older ones help you, or do you feel like it's just everything's all over the place? Most of the time, I feel like it's all over the place because it's so hard to try to, you know, spend time with each one and figure out what each one needs at the different times. And then, you know, things like going on vacation together, like what vacation do you take where the 20 year old and the 17 year old are happy and the four year old's happy at the same time? So I feel like every aspect of life is crazy. You know, the little ones go to bed early and wake up early and the older ones go to bed late and stay up late. So it's constantly like everybody be quiet. Everybody just be quiet, which I'm sure you know as well as I do that none of them are ever quiet. So it's like constantly just trying to juggle it. And I would say the hardest part for me as the mom is making sure that they're each getting their needs met when their needs are so different at all their different ages. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I can't say that I relate because my kids have always been much closer in age. So, I mean, right now we've got, you know, the, the 19, 18, 15 and 15. So they're like, they're all right there. And I find, I find that that's very challenging in a lot of ways and, you know, but every, everything comes with its own challenges. For me, it's just too much teenage drama and chaos all at once, right? It's, it's like teenage problems are big problems. And when you have four of them, you're guaranteed to have some crazy drama every single day. But I can totally understand how in your situation, that would be really, really hard when you've got the self-sufficient kids, but then you have the younger ones who need so much help and they're not independent yet. And you probably just feel like in the middle there. So um, that's definitely a unique situation. Um, Let's talk about co-parenting a little bit. Tell me, tell me first how you and your husband co-parent together. My husband and I do pretty well. We, you know, I feel like this is something that's evolving now as I'm really focusing on our family because I have a little bit more time. Now that the kids are older, I feel like I'm able to more focus on it. I'm not nursing anymore. You know, you're not constantly wrapped up with an infant. Um, but he and I aren't always on the same page and it's definitely been a challenge over the years to, for me to learn how the older three work and what, how they operate. And they're all very much like him, I would say. Um, and we parent differently, you know, he was a parent for 15 years before I met him and I was a parent for, you know, four or five months. So there's a lot of differences there in what patterns and habits have been established um, so now I think the best thing that we do is we talk about it and it doesn't always go well. It's not always a calm conversation because I still feel strongly about what I think is the right thing to do, 
but I have to walk that fine line because they're not technically my decisions to make. Um, so we talk, I mean, we really, we talk a lot and now we're into like college and we're talking about boyfriends and driving and we did sweet 16 last year. And so kind of like the bigger things that we try to collaborate on and come up with the best solution. But I really punt to him a lot for the bigger kids because he knows them better than I do, even all these years later and he's more like them. So I think he can relate a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I think people forget when it comes to co-parenting, you know, they get very stressed out if they feel there are disagreements. And I really want to point out that nobody really agrees on how to parent. Everybody has their own very unique perspective on how they think things should be done. And it's very, it also gets very challenging with the blended family because we always think that we know the best way. And when we see our partner doing something a different way than ours, we just, we're like, no, that's not the right way. My way is the right way. And, and it's difficult because like you said, they're not technically ours. It's really not our place. And I've had to bite my tongue many times and realize like, wait a minute, I'm getting, I'm getting a little too invested in this and it's not my decision to make. And I have to let him figure this out sometimes, even though maybe I think my way is a better way, but you know what? Like you said, Carrie, he's been with those kids longer and maybe he knows the better reaction for them because he knows what their response is going to be like and he knows their personality type. And, you know, it's very difficult. So you have that whole issue. But then, of course, we have the other issue of co-parenting where we sometimes have parents that just really are not on the same page with um, discipline and with different things. And I mean, that happens in every house, doesn't it? It happens in my house too. We don't, we definitely don't agree um, with, with a lot of things. What are some of the things that you guys disagree about? Um, I think that you brought up a good point because, you know, had we not been blended and had this been like your first relationship ever, and you guys talked about everything before you had kids, you're right. You're still going to have disagreements over ways to parent and, maybe you grow with it more. And then when you're actually coming in from two separate relationships and blending, you might be a little bit more established in your parenting styles. But I agree. Like, I think no matter what, you're going to have disagreements on the parenting. Um, But tell me again, I'm sorry. I wanted to get that out, but repeat your question for me again. Uh, My question was, what are some of the things that you guys disagree about when it comes to parenting? Um. (laughs) lots of stuff. Um, I would say a great example is teenage daughters and the things that come up for daughters that maybe they don't really necessarily want to discuss with their dads. Um, and so we had multiple disagreements with this one because I felt strongly that we should, you know, be smart about certain decisions and educate the kids and just make sure that they're safe and protect them. I don't ever believe that, you know, we should be naive about what happens with teenagers and Mm -hmm. that we've all been there. We've all done these things. Um, But he was very much on the opposite end of the spectrum thinking, well, no, if you, you know, take them to the doctor, if you put them on birth control, that is going to give them the green light. And I was really adamant about that, that no, like, let's be safe. They're going to go down that path anyway. They have boyfriends, like, let's just make sure that they're safe. Um, but at the end of the day, like, do I have the right to take my stepdaughter to a gynecologist? Right. So, 
first, first time around, I didn't, I backed off. Cause I'm like, ah, I don't think I should cross that line. Like not really my decision. Time I said, I'm taking her. And I went because at that point I, you know, we were a few more years in, this was a daughter that's living with me. I felt much more comfortable with it. And he didn't fight me as hard second time around because I was right the first time around. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you also feel responsible. God forbid she was to get pregnant or something. You'd feel responsible for that because she's living there in your house. And um, and here's a funny thing, too, about um, and I'm not I'm not picking on men at all when I say this, but men or fathers, I should say, and daughters, they just oh. I, I, I don't want to say gullible. I don't want to say naive, but daddies really don't see their daughters in that light. And they really don't see a lot of the things that their daughters do. I mean, most daughters are wrapped around daddy's finger in, mo- in most cases. And in those cases where it is, the dads don't always see the things. And also it's just a gender thing. I mean, women can pick up when other girls are being manipulative or being catty. I mean, we know those things, whereas men, it just flies right over their head, right? So uh, I always know when my when my stepdaughter is being manipulative to her dad, I know. And, and sometimes he sees what my kids do when I don't pick up on it because that happens sometimes. Sometimes we're a little bit blinded. Um, and so it's good when the step-parent can come in and say, hey, she's trying to get one over on you, you know, because they don't, they don't always see it. Do, does that happen with you too? I agree completely. And not even just like step-parent and bio-parent, but the male-female. So yeah. like my husband will see when my son's doing that kind of stuff to me and I don't necessarily see that. And, you know, my son's only eight, so we're not getting to the part where we're going through puberty and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we'll joke around. He'll be like, wait till that. And I'm like, aha, I don't want to hear or know about that. So I think the same holds true on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I never had a biological son, but I'm sure that would be happening in my house, too. And I'm sure it's going to happen for you because we just know we know our own gender. We were there once. We were young kids (laughs) once and we know how it is. So it's it's always really interesting. Um, what else? What else uh, are the things that you guys, do you guys disagree about discipline or is that pretty standard? Um, I don't know that we disagree. Like we don't really argue about it, but we definitely come from different perspectives. You know, he's more of instill fear in the kid and they will listen to me. And I'm more of a, let's figure out what's wrong with them and try to get to the root of the problem. And it's kind of a hard balance. Like, you know, I, I'm not a passive parent. I'm not a screamer. I will scream if I have to, but I try to stay calm and kind of just keep everybody positive and on the same page. But he steps in when I get to my limit. So unfortunately, he ends up being the disciplinarian all the time, right? um, which is something that we've been working on because I don't want him to always have to take that role. And he's doing it to support me, which is great. And I appreciate, but it's, then it always casts him in like being the the bad guy. Right. Right. And especially with my son and his stepson, you know, that creates a division between them because then, you know, his, my son's dad doesn't have to necessarily do that. When my son goes to his dad's house, he's the only child. It's just him and his dad. There's, you know, no wife or anything like that. And there's no children to compete with. So he can do whatever he wants. Like there's not that there's no rules, but it's just much more relaxed because he can be. Of course. Um, So that creates a further division between the two dads because here there's rules and there's other kids and there's that like constant discipline. 
And there, there's like just a lot more fun and love and like relaxation. Oh, that makes sense. Well, here's here's what I'm really curious about because you guys have the his, hers, and ours. Um, I'm curious if there's if you notice a difference in the way you guys parent um, the 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 biological that you have together versus your you know each of your own bio kids. Does that look differently too? Is that is that kind of strange trying to get everybody on the same page? Yes. And I would say that as the years have gone by, I feel like it's decreasing and I don't notice it as much when we were pretty new, you know, my husband had three daughters and I had one son, my first go around as a parent, like all I knew was a boy. So my husband would get really frustrated because, you know, when he's two and three years old, he's jumping and climbing and being a boy. And to me, I was like, Oh, well, that's what boys do. You know, it doesn't, it's not phasing me. This is just all I know. But for him, he's like, well, and I remember this conversation clearly because it really struck me on the difference between the girls and the boys. He's like, well, the girls would just sit there and like watch a movie for two hours. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, my son would never do that at that age. So we just came from different perspectives. And in the beginning, I was noticing that I felt like he was treating him differently, which, of course, we're newly blended. And I'm very, you know, everybody's sensitive to that. Um. But years later, and now we have our own son and he's four at this point, I feel like that difference has decreased because now he's used to the boys. Now they're both wrestling and climbing and jumping and breaking things and et cetera. So I don't notice that difference as much. Um, And on the other end with me and the girls, I'm definitely more patient with the boys and he's more patient with the girls. I don't know if it's just like a male female thing or what it is, but the girls push my buttons and the boys pushes. Yeah. Well, and can you remind me that, so the six-year-old is the boy, right? And no, the, oh, six-year-olds are daughter together oh, and okay. the four-year-olds are son together. Okay. Got, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So yeah, the, I was going to say the girls, um, girls just do that though. They, they know how to push buttons in a different way. And it's, and it's because I think, cause like you said, you are a woman, you know what they're trying to do, you know what they're up to and it gets under your skin mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, so that's just, that's just interesting. One of the things that we did talk about previously that I know you're really proud of and you're good at it is that you've created a really good sibling environment in your house. And so how did you do that? How did you cultivate such a good sibling experience in your house where they get along really well? Cause that's a lot of kids and that's not easy to do. You're right. It's not. And it's, believe me, it's not always beautiful and, and perfect. But, um, one thing that I always feel strongly about is I came from a, a only child family. So I never had siblings. I didn't have a lot of coming and going. There was never, my house was never the hangout spot. And I always kind of wanted that. So I knew when I had, when I got this family and we started blending in, I was like, okay, great. Like I have this big family. I wanted us all to be close and I wanted us all to be supportive of each other. And, you know, begrudgingly, I dragged them all to my son's football games and begrudgingly, I dragged them all to the girls gymnastics when they were doing gymnastics. And then we go all the dance recitals and I just, you know, that's my job. And I, I'm the glue that makes us all do that. And they're not smiling when I drag them out and they're not <laughs> happy about it. They don't want to get dressed up, but I make everybody do it. Cause I really feel like it's important that we support each other. Um, 
And I can say over the years that even though they don't want to do it, it's working because, you know, they realize that, yeah, you know, just the last week, my son plays flag football and he was, my daughter wanted to bring her iPad into the game. And he said, Reagan, please don't bring your iPad. I want you to actually watch me. And she said, okay. And she left the iPad and she came in and she cheered for him and, you know, everything was good. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is working. Like they actually love each other. Um, So there's definitely, you know, lots of sibling rivalry and there's all kinds of drama that goes on with six kids. And I would say four kids now, the older two are almost adults, but even with the four little ones, there's a ton of rivalry going on and, you know, she touched my stuff and all that good stuff, but they do love each other. And I am proud that we've cultivated that because like I said, going into it, you don't know how it's going to go. Like they could have hated me. They could have been so resentful of their new sister and brother, and it could have just been way worse. So I'm really, I really feel very blessed that it's gone as well as it has. Yeah. It sounds like it's going great. And what I always used to say about the sibling rivalry is if they're fighting like a real brother and sister, then that's a good thing. That means they're comfortable enough with one another that they're able to be themselves. And we know that biological siblings fight. I mean, I, my brother and I fought like literally every single day when I was a kid and now we're closer than ever but he's my bio brother and we still fought. So, I mean, and, and in our own blended family here, uh, my two bio girls fight and Sean's two bio kids fight. And then all together they fight. And we feel like, I mean, they don't fight all the time, but we feel like they're fighting about normal things that brothers and sisters fight about. So we know that they love each other, if that makes sense. Um, because if they hated each other, they wouldn't even bother. They wouldn't feel passionate enough to argue about anything, you know? Sure. They'd just be indifferent. Yeah. And I, everybody tells me that. And I ask that question of my friends a lot because like I said, I'm an only child. So when I hear them fighting, I'm always wondering, is that normal? Is that yeah. good? Do I allow that? And for me, the verbal fighting just breaks my heart. And I, yeah. I found an analogy some time back about toothpaste and I've used it on the kids because I felt like, okay, this actually makes sense. And it's simple that, you know, it's a, your words are like a tube of toothpaste. Once you squeeze them out and you say them, you can't put them back in. So I would rather, and this might sound awful, but I would rather that they fist fight and they wrestle than they would say the hurtful words because that just kills me. I just, uh, and I, nobody ever did that to me growing up. So I don't know if I'm more sensitive to it or just don't understand it. But like you said, everybody that I know, and even my husband, you know, he grew up with a brother and he said, oh yeah, we used to tell each other we hated each other all the time. And I'm like, but oh my gosh, like I can't imagine, like, but my kids do it. You know, they say some really awful things sometimes. I'm just like, oh my word. Yeah. And, and I hate listening to it also. And we told the kids a long time ago because it was causing problems in our relationship. And we said, you know what, we're not getting involved anymore. You guys figure it out, but there, there better be no physical, you know, no bloodshed, no, nothing, no emergencies, figure it out. And they did. Um, and yeah, I, I cringe at some of the, some of the things they do and say to each other. But at the same time, they love each other, and you know, overall, they would do anything for each other. You know, but um, but yeah, some of the ways that kids treat each other is is mind boggling, and that that goes for all siblings. I'm telling you, I I don't know, but you are probably more sensitive to it because you didn't. You didn't grow up that way, you know? You didn't have to worry about that stuff. See, I did. I know I know what it's like. 
Um, but they, they figure it out. But I tell you, it just always feels worse for whatever reason when it's the stepkids versus the other stepkids. In other words, if it's, if it's your two bio kids fighting, you feel like, okay, that's fine. They're just fighting. But for some reason, when it's your child and their child and they're fighting, it just creates this feeling of tension and fear and you know because you think what does this mean for our relationship if, if our kids hate each other and they don't get along then what's going to happen to us and it really does cause a different feeling than when it's your bio kids you don't care you're like whatever you're fighting figure it out um but somehow it it, it feels totally different um and you just have to realize that that's normal and that it should in no way affect your relationship as a couple as long as you don't allow it to, and you don't take sides. And it's very hard to be fair and neutral, but you have to learn how to do that. I agree. And do you find that when it's like the bio and the stepkids fighting, do you think that that added layer of stress comes because they have the option to leave? Like I know in our family, like, so if my son and one of my stepdaughters are fighting, like they'll already say, well, I'm going to go back to mom's. And this one will say, well, I'm going to go to dad's. And it's like, they can't actually go. They don't drive or anything, but they know enough to say that. And I feel like for me, that adds that extra layer of stress. A hundred percent, yes. And when when they are old enough to leave, um, then they do that too. And, you know, it's it's very... That's always the problem I have with blended families is that the kids can do that. As soon as it gets uncomfortable in one household, the first thing they want to do is run to the other house with the other parent and it causes a lot of problems instead of them, you know, having to stay and work it out like you do in a traditional home. It just right. makes it very difficult. So I know that's, that it is. It's just an added layer that that we have to work against as blended families. Um, so now I know you co-parent very well with your ex, right? Yes, we do. Okay, cool. And so what about your husband's ex? Does, do they co-parent well together or no? Zero co-parenting. Zero. <laughs> no co-parenting at all. Like I, she and I will text when necessary, but there's, there's no cordial relationship. It's not, you know, sharing of information. There's the opposite of all that. It's not a healthy co-parenting relationship at all. That, unfortunately, I'm sorry, because it's very difficult when that happens, um, and it does affect the children. So tell me, um, how has that, the strain of the relationship with you guys and BioMom, how has that affected your three stepdaughters? Um, dramatically, I would say, and, and it's still evolving. Um, one of the three of them will talk to me sometimes, and the other two really just shut down. Um, so I don't really know how much it's affecting them. I, you know, I have my own opinions of it, but without them verbalizing how they feel, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, the things that they do verbalize makes me wonder, but at the same time, you don't know if the kids are saying to you what they think they want, what you think, what they think you want to hear. Right. And then go back to the other house and say what they think they want to hear. So I don't, I don't really have the answer to that. I think that the best we can do is show them a good example of what a healthy, happy, normal relationship and household looks like and what a family should be. Um, and they're going to have to kind of figure it out on their own, I think, because they don't, they don't share enough with me to help them. I don't really know. Well, they certainly will figure it out on their own. I am 100% positive of that. I've seen it in so many cases that... 
you know, when a divorce happens, when they're young, they really don't understand all of the moving pieces. But as they get older and their brain matures and they start to see things in a different light and they they kind of can tell which parents were doing which things and which parents were trying to do the right thing and which parents were maybe doing the wrong thing. Um, and sometimes that causes anger later on, you know, to the parent that didn't act responsibly, but that's on that parent, you know, all you can do in your house is do what you need to do to take care of your kids and show them love. And, um, hopefully maybe the strain with bio mom will ease off in the future. I don't know, but I hope and pray for you that it does. Um, have you tried to reach out to her? We do. I kind of, you know, every once in a while I will, when something really bothers me, um, most of the time I'm met with resistance or something that just makes it worse. And my husband tells me I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, but you know, I'm a positive person by nature. I want to fix things like, so I can't, and I can't understand it. Like, I, I don't think that she's an awful person. I don't think that she's an awful mom. So I, I don't get that she doesn't want everybody to get along and like make this cordial and easy. Like I, you know, I'm now seeing both sides of it. So I have my ex-husband now has a someone that maybe in some future time will be, you know, stepmom to my son. And I would never like she has a son and we, you know, just this past weekend, we were all at the basketball game. And so I'm playing with her kid and she's watching my kids and it was just fine. Like, she's nice. I like her. And I would never not want to have that kind of relationship because at the end of the day, she's probably going to be watching my kid a lot of the time. So why would I, you know, I just, so I have a hard time understanding it, which is always in all aspects of my life. If I understand things, I can work through them better. But in this part of my life, I can't understand it, which makes it a constant like thorn in my side because I can't work around it. I can't fix it. I just have to kind of like just deal with it, I guess. Well, we, we can never fix anyone else or control. We can definitely never control what anyone else does or says. But I will say this for you and for everybody listening. And I know there's a lot of people listening that are in the same position and they're, you know, not speaking with the other party. And it's very difficult, but it it most often never, ever, ever has to do with you, why that other person is being difficult. It always has to do with them and what's going on in their own mind and what they're projecting out. So um, if an ex doesn't like the new step parent, it's usually because of their own feelings of jealousy, insecurity, anger, bitterness, whatever they're feeling from the divorce, whatever they're feeling about their own selves, or what's going on in their life, maybe they're unhappy and they are projecting it out onto you because maybe you are happy and things are going well in your life and the kids like you and that person doesn't like that. They, they maybe have some jealousy about it, whatever their issue is, but it's never about you're not a good step parent or you're not a good parent or you don't belong there. It's never anything like that. It's usually always what's going on in their own mind and that might not help. But at least it helps to know that this has nothing to do with you. Remember that that quote that I always say is, it's none of my business what you think of me. And I say that all the time and I say that to myself too to remind myself that it really doesn't matter what people think because what people think about you is their own story of what's going on in their own head, their own perception of the world that's going on around them. And it may not be truth at all. That's just the way they want to view you or the situation or whatever is in their world. So I don't know if that helps, but um, 
that's usually what helps me when I'm concerned about what somebody thinks of me or how they feel about a situation. So it does help. I think, you know, and, you know, logically we know those things, but you let the emotions get wrapped up in it and it makes it hard, but I, I appreciate it. I think that that is a good way to look at it to help me get through the times when it's just, isn't making sense. Yeah. Well, and you're never going to, you're not going to change her mind. You could be the best person in this whole world. And I mean, you could be a poster child for the perfect mom, the perfect stepmom, whatever. And it still isn't necessarily going to make that person like you. Um, she doesn't, maybe she doesn't want to like you. Maybe she doesn't want to like the situation. And, you know, so all you can do is just be the best person you can be and hope that, in time, maybe she'll come around if she wants to. But if she doesn't, you don't need that to have the blended family of your dreams. Um, maybe you won't have the relationship with her right now, but that doesn't mean that it should take away from what you're trying to create in your own home. Because, you know, we just can't can't control other people and we're, we're never going to be able to. And I think that it causes a lot of problems when we when we try, right? We, we want that person to change. We want things to get better. And we spend a lot of energy on that stuff. And at the end of the day, we really can't do anything to change their opinion or to change their stance. So, okay. So let's see. Um, we had a lot of good juicy stuff here. Um, I do want to talk about one more thing and then we'll get to our, our questions that I always add at the end. But, um, you actually recently started your own podcast for blended families, right? Yes, we did. We are the Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. And it's my girlfriend and Kristen and I, um, we're very new. We have, I think, 12 episodes in. Um, but kind of just going through it, it's been super educational and helpful for us just to work through our own things and sharing with each other um, and kind of hearing what other people have to say and what issues they're going through. So it's it's definitely amazing process. And I'm super impressed with you and how many you've done. And it's kind of like so professional. So I like seeing this side of it too. Oh, well, thank you. I've been, I've been doing it for a while now. I think it's been four years, but, um, if you go back, I should say, don't go back and listen to my original <laughs> episodes because I'm going to now. <laughs> they're probably not very good. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is when you get started with podcasting, but I will definitely add a link in the show notes so that everybody can go and support Carrie and her new podcast because we can use podcasts for blended families. There's really not that many out there right now. So, so um, I'm glad that you're doing it. That's really, really great. I want everybody to check it out. And let's see. So at the at the end of every show, I always go over uh, the five main questions that I ask every co-host. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So the first one is, what is the thing that you love the most about your blended family? So I think I reread your questions before we got on and gave them some thought, but like I said, I came from a single, a single child, my mom, my stepdad, and then my dad, um, was always been very involved in my life, but he's, he lives two hours away still. So he would come down, um, every other weekend and pick me up. And even now he comes every other week to hang out with my kids, but I never had the big family. And I always wanted that. I was always kind of lonely. Um, so I'm really fortunate that we have this giant family, which I think in most standards, you know, I think you're unique also that you have a big family, but most of 
the people in our generation do not have these, these giant families anymore. They're really, you know, two, three kids. That's kind of the standard. So I think that having the opportunity to have this big family that I always wanted to, and to be able to shape and, you know, teach all these kids is, I don't know. It's amazing. I really, I'm, I feel fortunate to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah, it's a blessing and especially a big change for you. That's it's probably so different from the way you grew up. So that's really cool. Um, number two, what is the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? Definitely creating that positive, peaceful environment that I really want. It's it's hard dealing with, you know, the adult stress and, you know, whatever jobs are going on and there's still like um, exes and different players in the relationships but getting everybody kind of peaceful so that at least when we walk in our door and in this house that we're all happy and positive and peaceful is like my, the word right now. I want to just kind of everybody feel at peace when they come here. Yeah, I, I hear you. That is what I pray for every single day. That's my thing too. I'm like, I just want peace. That's, that's all I want. I just want to feel peaceful, especially in my own house. And I know no matter who you are and how many kids you have, having kids just doesn't always create a peaceful environment, but uh, we have to try to create that within ourselves. Number three, if you knew then what you know now, what is one thing you would have done differently when you first blended? Definitely, I would have enforced the whole family meeting and maybe even like therapy once in a while. I remember reading books and looking at all the different blended family things. Everybody said, have a family meeting. And I kind of tried it and it was met with a little bit of resistance, both from my husband and the older girls. And I never kept with it. We did it twice maybe, but I think looking back, had we kept them up and they were a regular part of our routine now, they would be really helpful. Absolutely. And I I actually did the same thing. I didn't do that. I didn't enforce it in the beginning like I should have. And you're right. If you try to get to it later on, you do meet resistance. They don't want to do it. They think there's going to be something negative with it. Um, so yeah, the one tip with the family meetings is start them as soon as possible and make them positive at first, especially so that they are not resistant to it. But I I would have done that too, Carrie. Uh, number four, what is something, you know, you're doing right in your blended family, something that you're proud of? I think keeping the lines of communication open. And I, I debated on this one because I sometimes feel like I'm hitting a brick wall with this one, but there's at least two of our six kids that openly talk to me and share things. So I think, you know, that's a third of them, right? So that's decent. And some of them are too young to really do it. But, um, I think that if I just keep talking to them and sharing and I'm trying lately to really focus on my own communication skills and ask like more open-ended questions and try to get them to talk. And we sit down, you know, we don't do the family meetings, but we do sit at the dinner table and say, how was your day? Like each kid goes around and tells me something. And, you know, of course they still stare at me and give me silly faces, but we do it. And then at the end of the day, my favorite routine is when I talk to them in at night, I ask them what the favorite part of their day was and they'll tell me. And sometimes it's real and sometimes they're goofy, but the last few nights, my four-year-old tries to beat me to it. And he'll say, mommy, what was your favorite part of your day? Aww. And I'm just like, oh, like melt your heart, right? Um, so I think the communication is is what's going well right now. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And on that note, you know, if you can't do the family meetings, like you said, that's a great idea. Even if you can talk to them one-on-one, but communication is definitely key if you want things to go well in your family. I agree. Okay. And number five, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? To just have patience because (laughs) creating these families overnight isn't going to happen. It really, it takes, it has to happen organically. It has to take time. It has to take a ton of patience. And I think one of the things I focus on is it takes grace, like both giving and receiving grace. And I been saying that to my kids and trying to teach them the meaning of the word because I'm not perfect. Dad's not perfect. You know, this mom, that mom, the dad, the stepdad, whatever. None of us are perfect. We're all just people. Um, so trying to teach them that we all make mistakes, but we can just be patient and graceful with each other that eventually it's going to be what we want to do. We just have to keep working at it. That's wonderful advice and a wonderful note to end the show on. Um, Listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation with Carrie and you enjoyed listening to her, please check out her podcast called The Girlfriend's Guide to Blending Families. I will add that link in the show notes for you. And if you want to reach her directly, and if you're in the Facebook group, blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group, go ahead and hit her up in there when I I, uh, make this post in the group there. I will tag her in it so you can contact her that way as well. Carrie, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you better today. You too, Melissa. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much. Good luck with your blended family and your podcast. You too. Thanks. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.